Fantastic episode of the Post Credits Podcast. My name is Brian Schoff. Over there is my co-host, Mr. Matt Pepler. How are we doing, sir? Um, I, most of the days I'm great, but I have had a hell of a week uh, with some bullshit. I've had to send out so many goddamn copyright infringement notices for people stealing my artwork. So it's been an annoying day or annoying week. But I'm really happy to talk about this movie. <laughs> Give me something to take your mind off it. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about Last Action Hero today, which I've had kind of a, I've evolved over, did I like this movie? I don't like it as an adult. So having a full on like 180 after kind of really jumping into like the messages behind this movie, you know? Because uh, it was a nice trip down memory lane and nostalgia for sure watching this again because it it had been years since I'd seen it. Yeah. And I was like, you know, it doesn't really age that well. And there's there's not anything that's problematic. I just, it left me wanting more. Like, I wish like it was kind of well-crafted. But then I started thinking about like its implications and like the messages that are, that it's sending out into the world. And I appreciate it a lot more. So it's kind of interesting to talk about this one from my perspective. So there's a lot to unpack there. When, yeah, when you say is. you yeah. went from not liking it, so you, you kind of liked it at some point? or Yeah, I liked it as a kid because I saw this when it came out in the, the same summer that Jurassic Park came out or the yeah. same year that Jurassic Park came out. And no, it was it one did. of those like movies that's like, oh, this is fucking cool right like this the is... soundtrack was everywhere yes because yep. there were those two great songs by acdc big guns and angry again by megadeth that was all over rock radio and uh-huh. like the soundtrack for this it's got a banging soundtrack yes you know, big guns to me and i i'm not super into acdc however like you're coming off your you know, back in black and thunderstruck and stuff like that. And that honestly, that's the last song, like the new last radio single I heard from ACDC where it's like, it got it, in your head. That's classic like it, ACDC yeah. yep. killer rift, interesting lyrics. And then everything else after that just kind of sound phoned in. Yeah, I agree. Uh-huh. You know, it, and uh, when I heard when I heard that ACDC song in the movie again, I'm like, oh, my God, it's like, let's go back to that summer. Right. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, like it's just one of those. It, it is a good song. But what the other thing that blows my mind is like the massive amount of hate that this movie had for a long time. You know, uh, when this movie came out, it was nominated for basically every Razzie Award that you could think of. Mm-hmm. like best or wor- I, i'm saying best worst picture worst actor worst director worst screenplay worst new star worst original song all of it worst it's, original song yeah for big gun oh shut the fuck up razzies like <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know no shit no shit uh so i don't understand the hate that it got i could understand like my perspective more of kind of wanting a more polished movie but like I, I I don't I don't get what I mean everyone hated this like Variety everyone. hated this Siskel and Ebert hated this you know but you know Siskel and Ebert doesn't like anything we like over here you know so no, that's really kind don't. of to be <laughs> kind of to be expected but yeah the uh, the hate train was strong with this movie but uh, going back to unpacking yeah like well e- even the Simpsons got in on that because one of those episodes are. In Springfield, there's Schwarzenegger is a guy called McBain, and Wiggum runs into McBain at this party, and you know he's like, you know, people are like, what, what was up with that last movie, McBain? Like, yeah, magic ticket, my ass, and you know, my mighty heart is broken. <laughs> yeah, like, why do you think people hated on it so much at the time? I mean, I guess like coming off of Terminator Two, like. 
the next year, you know, or was, was Terminator ninety one? This was his follow up to that. Yeah, this was like the next Arnold Schwarzenegger movie after Terminator. The two. next. Yeah, yeah. The name <laughs> yeah. explodes. Which I don't. I mean, like I don't know. Even if you had like an awesome movie, if it could hold a candle to how well regarded at the time Terminator Two was, you know, like there just wasn't anything larger in the early nineties than Terminator Two. So it's like, would anything be satisfactory that Arnold put out after? I mean, you really Terminator started 2? the decade off with just a nuclear explosion of amazingness (laughs) right you know because you say like oh there wasn't anything like it in the 90s that's how we fucking started the 90s (laughs) (laughs) right you know right we haven't even gotten to the rest of it yet and it's just like there it is you know (laughs) yeah and i i thought it was interesting in here when they're going through the video store and then they because there was kind of a back and forth with stallone and Arnold in their movies maybe is more one-sided with Arnold because there's that thing in twins where he sees the Rambo three poster and he's like nah nah that's ridiculous and then (laughs) you know here in the movie world you got Stallone's face on the the T2 cut out and like well what that was his best acting performance (laughs) (laughs) right right so it was very aware why do I think people hate this movie yeah, I think it's the same reason I I had a love hate relationship with Secret of the Ooze as a kid, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, because okay. they brought Kino into it. You know, Kino, the the guy that plays Kino, Ernie Reyes Jr., was the stunt double for Donatello, and he, he's a very personable guy. And they were like, hey, you know. Why are we burying you behind a mask? You should be an actual character in the next one. And that's kind of how they created that. So he was sort of like this audience POV sort of character. And as a kid, when I was like, some people really dug that because it's like, yeah, man, like that's the audience. And then as a kid, I just had that feeling where it's like, well, that should be me because, you know, like you like the turtles and you imagine like you're palling around with them or whatever. And I feel like with last action hero, it's really the kid that kind of ruins it because, you know, he's your totem in this world. He's the movie lover. He's the whatever. And you just can't help but hate him for similar reasons. But it's a little different because at the end of the day, these characters just don't work for me because I think I don't like being told how I feel. So experiencing the movie through another character's eyes like that, and it's this meta thing where they're constantly like, whoa, that's cool. Whoa, we're doing it. It's just, there's something about that that I inherently just push back against. I just feel like whenever they have those sort of audience gateway characters, it either works or it doesn't. There is yeah, there's zero no between. zero middle ground. Yeah, I guess uh, I guess maybe that's one of my the same reasons that I I don't like it now is because it's like the character you're supposed to identify with, you know, is this annoying kid, and it's probably like numerous other movies kind of have the same issue for me. Um, I I don't really like him either as a character. You know, I don't know. It's it's hard to be like, this is the number one reason why I don't like it. But it, there's a strong argument. I mean, I think you could identify, I think why it needed to be a child is an interesting choice to me. Like it could have just been a teenager or like a younger person mm-hmm. or just a movie lover uh, in that same role. And it might have been more cohesive you know, and less jarring. Was this one of the reasons why Ebert and Siskel hated it? Because of the, it, it's a young kid and he's watching these shoot him up movies and he shouldn't be identifying this and it's sending the wrong message. You know, I didn't actually watch anything they said. I got to like the first paragraph where it was like, and Siskel and Ebert gave it a 2.5 out of four stars. I was like, yeah, I, I figured as much. And I didn't read further beyond mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, no, I, I don't know. I mean, like, I would imagine that it's a stereotypical response from them. It's like, 
oh, too much violence. Blah blah blah. Yeah. These movies are it's, for kids, and they know who shallow. the market is, and they're sending it to them as yeah. the wrong message. And it's just an Arnold Schwarzenegger cash grab and all the, you know, whatever. I don't know. I feel I've read enough Siskel Niebert stuff where I just feel like you can copy and paste their responses to just about anything. You know, some of and the more famous movies of the era. Yeah, yeah, and I'm just like, eh, I'm over it. You know. Uh-huh. Uh So I didn't really look into their their criticisms of it. Well, I did he, look into John McTiernan's. Yeah, he is occasionally pretty insightful, and I I would you know I I know we like to kick him around a lot, even though the poor man's rolling over in his grave. But uh, you know, you <laughs> should check out his Dawn of the Dead review. Like he he liked that movie a lot, and you would not think he would like <laughs> that Roger Ebert would like Dawn of the Dead, nineteen seventy eight. Well, and surprisingly, one of them, one, yeah, I don't know which one, they liked uh, Return of the Living Dead. So, you know, every one in a thousand reviews, it's like, oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. You, th- you threw a curveball at me. I didn't expect that. <laughs> yeah. Well, what do they say? You know? e- even a broken clock's right twice a day. <laughs> yes. Right. Right. I, uh, what's interesting is what John McTiernan, the director of this, said about this, which, I think looking back on it, I think McTiernan is kind of a mismatch for a movie like this. Uh, Cause he tends to, I mean, he did predator and die hard. I mean, this is like two like legendary action movies. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he can do this like meta comedy, meta action movie type thing, you know, mm-hmm. as well as I think like he, I mean, he, I, I'm confident that he, he can make a badass action movie, but I'm not. No, I'm. I'm not sure if he was the right choice for this type of movie. But he said that it was basically like he had a wonderful Cinderella story, but not, but with a a young boy, a nine year old boy instead. Um, and he said that this ludicrous hype machine got a hold of this movie and buried the entire thing under bullshit. He went on to say that as soon as he was done filming, it was assembled in six to eight weeks after he shot his last shot, which is an incredible amount of speed. And yeah, no, no, no. He said it was in the, sorry, I take that back. He said that it was in the theaters five to six weeks after he had done his last shot, which that's nuts. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he said, that it was a kamikaze, stupid, no good reason for it to then be released one week after Jurassic Park. And he said, to get to that depth of bad judgment and evolved, you would need a snorkel. End quote. <laughs> so he was not too happy with what he had shot and then how it was edited together almost basically like disowning this movie he feels like this was uh, a mistake not on his part but on the studio's part for editing and rushing it the way that they did i don't know i can uh, maybe there is something more to this movie uh that was left on the cutting room floor for just bad decision making maybe there's more nuances that could have been shown in the movie that mctiernan had shot to make it more, I guess, robust, have a little bit more flavor to it. I don't know. I All I can think of is that they rushed it to theater thinking they had counter-programming to Jurassic Park. So right, kind yeah. of the same thing happened with Terminator Genisys where it's that came out yeah well if you're gonna spell it like an idiot then i'm gonna say it like an idiot so terminator gina size comes out the same weekend as jurassic world you know uh-huh. some 30 years later or something absurd like that it, it, right but right here, here's the thing right you've got two movies both of them are pg-13 you know because they want uh-huh. those they want those kids in there right so you're taking your family to go to the movies. Are you going to see the the dinosaur movie or are you going to see the Terminator, which is known for people getting shot? Right. You're going to yeah, go well, see I mean, Jurassic Park 10 times out of 10. 
Terminator Genie size got <laughs> destroyed because it had no chance. You know, you you took an R-rated franchise, you made it PG-13 to try to compete with Jurassic World for the family audience. You fucking lost. That mm-hmm. didn't happen with Last Action Hero in Jurassic Park. All I can think of is, hey, we've got a serious action movie schwarzenegger you know where they were thinking the families are going to see that the families are going to see jurassic park but here's the thing for the adults the problem is last action hero is a kid's action movie yes 100 percent. yeah i uh i agree i think uh they didn't need to rush it uh, and it could have come out in its own window, not a uh, in a competitive way against Jurassic Park. Now, I don't believe that anyone at the time could have predicted the juggernaut that Jurassic Park became. You know, so it could have just been like, hey, it's our action movie versus your action movie type of response, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a miscalculation. I do have a sidebar, though. Terminator Genesis... It deserves the hate that it gets because it is a profoundly stupid movie by the end of it. However, that first 30 minutes has got some of the most tense Terminator action sequences in a very long time. Uh, So I bought it just for the first 30 minutes. After that, you can shut that shit off. But man, is that fucking shit cool. Mm -hmm. It's I just want to say it's really hard to be afraid of something when you've seen it in action so many times at this point you know because this is that was number five right that was the fifth terminator movie right and then we had dark fate so uh kudos to them for actually being able to pull off some very tense sequences you know edge of your seat type are they going to get out of it type thing so anyways that's all i got to say about terminator genesis yeah i've been meaning to rewatch that just because i i didn't I didn't totally hate it, although walking out of the theater, I was mad for two reasons. One, the movie poster spoils one of the biggest plot twists in the movie. Uh-huh. Fuck you. And right? then <laughs> and then you're walking out. It's like, wow, the timeline's so fucked up now. Like, where do you go with that? Like, you, how do you continue the franchise from here? You know, you because <laughs> it really does become, like, really convoluted and just insane at the end so but um yeah still haven't i've only seen it that one time in the theater oh okay i don't know how i saw it because i didn't see it in the theater maybe i saw it on like hbo or something but i i started it and i was like oh this i'll check it out and then uh yeah i was like well i'm on board but because of the first 30 minutes Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of, like you said, it gets so convoluted and like, I, I need to be looking at a, a, a timeline map. No, yeah, <laughs> like, you need one of where those we're like, at right now. <laughs> like Zodiac killer maps with the string yeah. going all over, <laughs> circling yeah. what happened here and to loop back on. Wait, he's a robot. And wait, no, in the cops. That's are, a robot. <laughs> wait, yeah. Wait, uh, who's a robot? Uh, wait a minute. No, wait. Everyone's a robot. Who's fourth? human? Yeah, and before you know it, it's a Mobius strip, and yeah, it's, it's a whole thing. Yeah, yeah Terminator Genie Crisis can oh my God. stop. I'm glad they didn't. I think, there's, I think there's only a Y in there where it should be an I, and that's like the only difference. But you're adding syllables, yeah. To it. Well, again, if you're gonna be a dick about it, I'm gonna be a dick about it. So you know, like this was never clever on anyone's part. So. You reap what you sow, my friends. <laughs> sure, I agree. I, I mean, I can, I can appreciate the poking fun, poking the bear, if you will, because it is a dumb name. But you know, it's not adding extra syllables. It just replaced one of the letters in there. I mean, whatever. How do we get back on track? <laughs> Well, you've fallen into a time loop, and now it's so convoluted. Matt's a robot. We're all robots. We're in the Matrix, and this is a simulation. This isn't actually a recording. 
or a podcast. I, when I was thinking about other movies that are like that parody action movies, mm-hmm. the only other one that I could think of is other than this is Big Trouble in Little China. That's kind of like a parody of an action movie. Because I was trying to think of like, because my critique is like, well, this could be better. So what's an example of something that is better, right? And it's real limited, you know? So I don't I don't know how they could make this movie better, you know? Or like, what's an example of it being better? I haven't seen this in so long that watching it, I, I actually wrote, you know, the action movie within the action movie is pretty much like the ultimate kind of Joel Silver statement on Joel Silver. <laughs> Very- you know, so I, I, I did think it was actually pretty well done for what they were trying to do. I, I don't know what the thing that people really keyed into as what we're going to push back against other than Terminator 2. What's this? Right. Right. Like, I I just I I try to I'm trying to figure out like the headspace that like moviegoers were in. It's like Terminator 2 was before this is Arnold's new movie. It's going to be the same type of like jaw dropping, brain exploding, special effects, like science fiction thing. And then they got like it was a concept movie instead. Right. And I just think that jarring like juxtaposition was enough for people to just get on this like unfair hate train that just lasted forever um to this day even (laughs) yeah and it's like you know i talked to a lot of other people and a lot of people i know have like fondness for this movie like i did and i think a lot of people our age did when we saw as kids you know so i i it just kind of like makes me want to focus on the people that didn't like it at the time. Like what was, what was your problem? (laughs) You know, like what, why? And I, I don't know, maybe it's just some wacky hive mind thing that seems so prevalent today of everyone just kind of jumping on a bandwagon of like, we hate this thing together. (laughs) You know, like Matt, that was a creation of the internet. That oh. that's trolls. That's cancel culture. No, like long before any of that existed, people got on bandwagons against something for the sake of being on a bandwagon against something. <laughs> yeah, but it's so weird that even as a kid, you could recognize that there was a strong hate train towards this movie. There is like even then, I remember like this is not as good. Or blah blah blah. We don't like this. This is awful. You know, to the point or I I, mean, I think I just saw it out of I'm sorry to interrupt you there. I think I just saw it out of that context where I had seen Terminator, Terminator 2. And it's like, oh, it's a new Arnold. Oh, that's awesome. It's Arnold. It's awesome. And I didn't care about any any anything else because it didn't live up to some magic ticket Willy Wonka, you know, standard of what I thought Terminator 2 was. It was just another Arnold movie. And you're just discovering it for the first time because, hey, you know, it was new. But, yeah, I I didn't have any kind of backlash against that. And then you talk to people and like, oh, I hated that. Should should I? As a kid? (laughs) Right. What's, I don't know. know. Hey, can't get away from that soundtrack, though, so. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. Um, yeah, people, like Variety called this a joyless, soulless machine of a movie. Joyless. I mean, like, yeah, joyless. right? Right? And I could point to, like, a couple of the things that, like, bring a smile to my face immediately. So how could you say it's joyless? That's what I mean, though. That's the headspace that people were in. To call, to call this movie joyless at the time is incredible. Like, you had zero fun watching this movie. None of it. Mm-hmm. you hated being in the theater watching this movie just the thought of having to see it again would like bring you anxiety i don't Man, know like if, that's if just only the... <laughs> they knew rob zombies halloween 2 was coming holy shit <laughs> no joke man no fucking joke and the monsters now holy shit the monsters 
Why, why do we keep allowing this to happen? I'm just curious. Rob Zombie doesn't make good movies, but here we go. Yeah, you want a real, you want like a favorite? Hey, what's, hey, Rob Zombie, what's your like favorite old school property that you'd like to do a movie on? Yeah, I'd like to do the Munsters. Yeah, okay, great. Greenlit. Have at it. Jesus Christ. Heist that guy. <laughs> Kona phrase. <laughs> hey, man, I don't know. It's. We'll discover that nightmare when it finally rears its terrible head. In the meantime, we'll watch it with the two other people in the theater that are also seeing it, you know, just like Halloween, too. Speaking of theaters, you know, and, and this is part of the reason why I say this is like one of the most Joel Silvery feeling things. <laughs> They're like the real world was like the Predator 2 real world. We're like, this is the most graffito ridden shithole city movie theater. Uh huh. You could like you could you couldn't do worse really <laughs> no and then there's fred from gremlins 2 you know the 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 dracula yep. guy from gremlins 2 is the ticket taker in there but then they go into the movie within the movie and it feels like die hard meets lethal weapon kind of but it's schwarzenegger in there you know Mm-hmm. yeah all, i mean it does Joel have silver a... things <laughs> right yeah, no, I mean, I agree. Like when you see the the movie in the movie, it, it feels like that that era of action movie. And I think maybe one of the reasons that people uh, didn't like the movie was that I, I think that this movie is a little too clever and a little too on point with it being a parody. So much so that your brain is tricked into just recognizing it as a, another action movie instead of what it's supposed to be doing because you see those references as subtle as they are in the movie and you're tricked into just like going along for the ride and not kind of putting any thought into what you're watching subtle does that make subtle yeah they're they have acne well, the, on well the you're talking about boxes, something different you're talking about something di hey hey i gotta interrupt you i gotta interrupt you because that's not what I'm referring to. I'm not okay. referring to the gags and gimmicks in the movie. Uh -huh. I'm talking about the subtle things of making it look identical to Lethal Weapon, right? Mm -hmm. Like that style of flavor of a movie is clearly from a certain era, right? right. That's on purpose. McTiernan did that on purpose. So I'm saying that when you're doing something to a T like that, and you're like, we're going to copy every little subtle thing and how they made this movie look in our fake reality of what an action movie is. Mm -hmm. As a viewer, since you've kind of been brainwashed as to, to think that action movies are supposed to look a certain way, you kind of get sucked in and your brain's just kind of on autopilot. That's what I'm talking about with the subtle things and that this movie is too clever. Sorry to interrupt you. I and just then, didn't want to like inadvertently get steamed. But the yeah, Looney but then Tunes they characters details. Right. So you're focusing on like the Looney, like I'm not saying you, but like everyone's focused on like the Looney Tunes stuff, which is the obvious parody, you know, but then there's the subtle parody of, you know, like these little aesthetic choices, you know which I think is very clever and it can fool you. So I'm just like, I'm wondering if that was also part of the problem. Like it's kind of too meta, too clever, uh, that, that sort of thing. You know? I, I do think that was part of it, that it, it wasn't real. Like it wasn't real quote unquote. It was so much more of the fantasy element that people didn't expect to be in there. Like, are you talking about like the cartoon detective the cat played by danny devito just the fact that you get sucked into a movie you know and it, it's really interesting that this happened really at the height of schwarzenegger's career where if this had happened probably in like 1999 where people had kind of come down the mountain a little bit you know his star had faded a little bit maybe then you could look at it as this sort of nostalgia piece where 
you know, he's the biggest guy and here's this bubble and here's this kid that keys into that. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think people would have been a little bit forgiving in that sense where, you know, because you see that with like a lot of nostalgia movies, a lot of nostalgia cinema today, like, you know, Fear Street and those kind of things where people really celebrate it for like, oh, my God, they're referencing the thing and they've kind of got some of the people involved in it. And I remember that because I grew up with it. Whereas they did this like at the top of the mountain. <laughs> yeah, we are at know. the top. Yeah. So we have climbed Everest and now we're making this movie. Yeah. Seeing it with rose colored glasses or, you know, whatever metaphor you want to look at that that way. You know, that's that's a really good point. Uh, and I mean, this is another thing I agree with. I think you're you're spot on with that critique of it. Um, because it's, you know, like people are going like wild over. Yeah. Fear Street stranger things where it's like looking at the past and just recreating nostalgia you mm -hmm. know uh and yeah like that could be the reason maybe maybe just poor timing um because it's so weird because another thing that people point to is that this is the movie that caused arnold schwarzenegger to kind of like start having that downward spiral not downward spiral but like less uh over the top blockbuster action movies you know this was kind of like this was the movie that allowed will smith to become the name in action think about that for a second <laughs> right because right? <laughs> he had kind of a similar thing where he couldn't fail for a while right independence day men in black men in black which he didn't want to do spielberg talked him into it that's right. that's a funny story he, he had a video on YouTube there. It just kind of popped up into my feed there where he turned it down because he didn't want it. Like he wasn't being coy. But after Independence Day, he's like, you know, I don't want to be the guy doing alien movies. And Spielberg said, don't use your brain. Use my brain. <laughs> That's which is really weird. But like, if you think about that, for it's like, well, I guess you have to, you know, because he's thinking about it as like vehicle career positioning. Spielberg's just like, no, 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 this is a slam run. Like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then he turns down The Matrix, which he thinks is a mistake in retrospect, but he's also had enough perspective to think, okay, that was probably a good idea because it wouldn't have been The Matrix if he was in it. Right. Because right. if, if he was in The Matrix... They were looking at Sean Connery. They were looking at Val Kilmer to play Morpheus. Morpheus would not Holy have been Lawrence shit. Fishburne. Yeah. Had Will Smith been Neo. Okay. So he goes and makes Wild Wild West instead. And then that kind of began like seven years of, you know, not movie jail, but nothing he does can quite match like your Independence Day Men in Black. So that's the parallel that I'm circling back to in the most long meandering <laughs> way possible is with Schwarzenegger, like this was his wild, wild west. And then exactly. it kind of started this wilderness period until he, I don't know, he, I don't think he ever really reclaimed T2 status, but we kind of move past like Eraser, you know, and, and then he comes the back. The sixth like, day. Sixth yeah. day, Yeah. Collateral oh, what damage, was that? those kind of movies. Oh, but then there was that one devil movie. End of uh, Days. Yes. Yes. Yeah, End of Days. <laughs> you know, but in the middle of that, he had True Lies. So he yeah. did kind of... This was a, a pretty, pretty big speed bump. But he still had True Lies two, three years later. Right. And then, and then we have, like, yeah, Six Man, End of Days kind of stuff. <laughs> right which is kind of like huh huh what's going on over here you know i never saw a collateral damage but i liked uh i liked eraser when it came out in the theater i was on board with that movie and then uh sixth day was real weird yeah. <laughs> you true, know true lies is i'm sorry eraser is like a made for tv true lies kind of feels like it's still pretty fun to watch but it's not like okay oh man, there's all the money in the world and talent behind this. You know, you just don't have <laughs> right. that same feeling. Right. 
Um, yeah. So what? Oh, I, I, I we talked about like the evolution that I had of you know like liking it as a kid to like seeing it recently. I mean, and my evolution actually was like within the last twenty four hours. So upon watching it again, like I said, like I said, there's things that I wish were better, right? And it's it's not necessarily like any one thing, but I just feel like things could have had more polish, you know, as far as like bringing fake characters into the real world. I think that thing could have been more focused on, like bringing these awful characters into reality and what they would actually do if they were real is far more interesting than being in a fake movie, to me at least. Uh, So those are like criticisms that I have. But then when I started thinking about like the messages of like, like for example, like in this world, the bad guys can win, which unfortunately and depressing is that's actually the case. You know, like it would we look at action movies we think of like all the trials and tribulations that our hero is going to have to go through but you know can overcome something that might seem close to insurmountable right uh and we watch that over and over again and we're never sick of it we want the heroes to succeed but then it's like when benedict is brought over he just goes and kills someone in the street and no one cares now that's like silly in the movie because that probably wouldn't happen today right today right that's also a very joel silver thing you know right where like with the predator 2 look how out of control crime is (laughs) right that that was also that idea like in the early 90s you had a lot of movies where it's just like crime is fucking out of control you can't do anything about it didn't matter if it was Predator 2, Demolition Man, Lethal Weapon, all those. What brought the end of the world? This Crime. Was, this was also <laughs> pre-9-11, right? Where yeah. that, and that's why you say, like, oh, that probably couldn't happen. Because today people see terrorists on every street corner. Like, they, well, they would just be, like, pulling out their cell phones. Oh, my God, active shooter over there. You didn't have that interconnectivity hive mind thing back then. But people also didn't care as much because they weren't as suspicious because this period of the 90s was really the last time that America was in la-la land, really. Oh, as far as like worldwide world issues? What crime is doing, how it affects people, what that suspicious guy could be doing. People didn't care about any of that prior to 9-11. And then the world changed. Well, see, like you say that, but then it's like you can point to like O.J. Simpson, which did happen before 9-11. But you could also do the same thing about Casey Anthony, who's a child murderer who got got away with it, you know. So the idea of like, you know, bad guys can win still, you know, echoes today post 9-11. You know, and I not think, in the sense where OJ was walking down the street shooting people. No, but that's this is just more of it's like a, an which, analogy, which is what you know? that guy you're talking about, the guy with the crazy eyeball, the bad Benedict. Yeah, Benedict. The bad yeah. guy comes through. He was, uh, oh, you'd know him from Alien 3, wasn't he? The doctor yeah. in that? Yeah, he was the doctor that was the uh, the junkie, you know, that did the autopsy on Newt, who then got like his head turned into a canoe by the dog alien you know as aliens are want to do (laughs) yeah um but no i just i i i like the idea of like these this move well this movie has like i feel like a lot of still important messages that it can send out and i i don't think like because like for me what benedict represents is like even in a just society, there are still people who can do unjust things and get away with it, you know? And you can see this time and time again with not necessarily murder, but like Bernie Madoff. I mean, like, yeah, he's died in prison, I believe, but didn't he also embezzle like 65 million people 
or $65 million from people that just can't get it back. You know, like Mm -hmm. that's some pretty evil shit. So I think like this representation of like, yeah, evil doers doing evil things and getting away with it is still pretty prevalent, you know? And, you know, I, I like that this movie has something to say about that. You know, I I think that's kind of what makes it interesting in the, the sense that he goes back into Jack Slater three and pulls out Tom Noonan's the Ripper villain who's yeah. more of a slasher character, whereas this guy is a little more sophisticated and it's like, no, 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 you can win here. Right. Uh, yeah, that's like one of the things that I love that just sent my mind into a spiral is like bringing like Hannibal Lecter into this world, you know, like as a real figure. How like the crazy characters monsters whatever you would not want to actually have to deal with bringing like bringing or brought into this world is like a terrifying thing uh and then like the pandora theater becoming pandora's box of the potential havoc that could come out of this place because the houdini ticket you know um let's let's talk about the houdini ticket for a minute sure what is the significance of Okay, you know, you got a movie ticket. We need it to be some magic thing. It's Houdini. (laughs) Right. Why is that important? Like, other than just a stupid way to say, hey, this movie ticket's magic. Everybody knows who Houdini is. Like, what is the connection to making that jump into the movies? I have no real good answer or interesting answer for you. I do know why... I do know why it's in the movie, but it's the reasoning behind it doesn't make any sense. Thank you. Because because Houdini is an escape artist. That's what he's known for. He Mm -hmm. is not a person of magic. He is not Gandalf. He is not from, you know, the wizarding world of Harry Potter. He's not even an Aleister Crowley. (laughs) Right, right. Okay, so it doesn't make sense when you really start to be like, well, why did Houdini have to make it, right? Or whatever. Uh, but the the reason that it's in the movie is the original script had no transport device to get Danny into Slater's world, right? Mm-hmm. So they're just like, Houdini ticket. It was kind of like they threw shit at a wall and Houdini ticket stuck, right? Uh, It doesn't make any sense. Like, it could have been any amount of things, like just the belief in magic, or if you believe so hard in something, it can come true, you know, or whatever. But right now, it's just like, uh, we don't have any good ideas. So we'll just say it's a Houdini ticket, you know? So the original script just had him... (laughs) Yes, like... It would have been like, instead of like them ripping apart the ticket and you see all the magic electricity coming off the ticket and then he goes and sits down and then the dynamite comes through the screen, right? The Mm -hmm. sticks of TNT. Acme dynamite. Right? Like there wouldn't have been any like ticket thing. It just suddenly there's dynamite in the fucking theater and then he can cross into the plane of Jack Slater through the movie screen is basically what it amounted to in the original script. So they needed what, what is that considered a MacGuffin to get the plot going, you know? Uh, well, and- a, a MacGuffin is, uh, well, yeah, I mean, I guess it is because it, well, I, I don't know. Like a, a MacGuffin in the Hitchcock sense is something the characters want that, doesn't actually have any physical meaning to them or the plot. So in Mission Impossible, the knock list is a MacGuffin. Okay. Because it does not affect the action at all. It's just something they're chasing after. Okay. Whereas Pulp here... fiction, it's the suitcase that emits gold. We don't know what's in it, but mm-hmm. everyone wants it for whatever reason. Yes. You know? Here, at least the magic ticket serves a purpose in, okay, it transports them to that world. 
and then what Fred asked for it back and they're like, oh, I lost it. So it, it becomes kind of a problem, but it actually has a physical function. Right. It's it's not totally it's real close, real close <laughs> there, but uh, it's not quite as meaningless as like a knock list. So I, I don't think it's quite a MacGuffin in the Hitchcock sense, but we're we're flirting with disaster there. But then, right. so when he rips it in half, and then Fred, the I'm, I'm just gonna call him by his Gremlins two name, sure, wants it back later on. It's like, but we ripped it. Like, how are you gonna get? Like, it's not like you can just take that into your favorite movie. So that's kind of a right line that only exists to be like, ah, eh, well, we fucked up. <laughs> right. There's also another problem with the rip ticket. Right? Is that there's two pieces of it, and one flies off the roof after the confrontation with the Ripper. Okay. Right? And that's how Ian McKellen comes out of his movie as death into this other theater. Oh my God. Right? Yeah. Wow. Right? But then uh, Danny finds the other, the other half in the pile of ripped tickets. Right? So isn't there a whole other half of a ticket causing mayhem in New York City? That they're just not addressing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like it's just the American Beauty bag in the wind now, <laughs> right? Just bringing God knows what to life, and right. They're just like, well, this other ticket we can. Well, yeah, but what about the other half that's causing other characters from other movies to actually be coming or to come into this reality? We're just not going to worry about that for the sake of the runtime. You know, so well maybe that's how Coral Junior from License to Kill became the hard ass boss in in this movie because <laughs> he's instead of Tom Atkins is the police is the lethal weapon police chief. You you have uh, the actor. I I only know him as Coral Junior from License to Kill. Oh, the wait, he, are we he's talking been in about some other stuff though? Wait, are we talking about like the police chief? Yeah. He was in. Oh, that's right. And now I know. Now I can picture him in that movie. He also was in uh, Batteries Not Included. He was the guy that was putting the tiles down, you know, and then like the little battery not included UFOs like helped him like fix it because the apartment building got destroyed from okay. like the guy causing all the havoc and wanting to kill all the UFOs. And then like his fucking tile piece masterpiece thing got destroyed and then the UFOs were putting it back together for them because they're friends so fucking stupid haven't seen that in forever there's a blast from the past uh yeah well it was on HBO Max you know so I watched it because of course <laughs> it's not very good you could use a golden ticket bring some of those things to life that wouldn't be a bad thing to have flying around they were pretty the battery- awesome wholesome aliens are always a good thing yeah you know <laughs> we could use some of those yeah like a little yeah. fewer predators and xenomorphs causing shenanigans we've, we've had a rough <laughs> enough year 2020 and 21 no but in all honesty like if something like this happened this year in 2021 would we be surprised at this point like characters from movies are crossing the plane of existence the fourth wall if you will into our reality now you'd be like just so that that was tuesday (laughs) oh yeah why not of course that would happen just a matter of time this juncture yeah i don't think anyone would question it at this point um the other thing that i like that this movie says is like um one of its messages that i kind of picked up on is like action heroes not being really good role models to have you know Uh uh-huh uh, and it was like kind of pointed out where it was like in, in his home invasion that happens with that junkie, you know, like in a movie, you'd be like, I'm going to do the right thing and teach this home invasion guy who's boss. But it's like home invasion guy doesn't give a fucking shit. He just got fucking uh, handcuffed to the toilet, you know. Um, but it's interesting because it's like the the romanticism behind an action hero is to do something great with force. 
And it's not really like how you, you can't really apply that to every situation, you know, like mm-hmm. it doesn't work that way. So I like like these little subtle messages that these movies are conveying. But what I don't like is one of my criticisms is that like it's kind of done with like a half measure, right? It's so subtle that you're not picking up on it immediately and you kind of have to read between the lines, you know? Yeah, it's it's definitely not on the nose about that. Um, you bring up that scene there that I always joke, you know, <laughs> with people where, you know, like, oh, you're always wearing like, you know, khaki and button down shirts all the time. And it's like, well, you ever see Last Action Hero where like they open his closet and it's all the same outfit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's pretty much my closet there. <laughs> it just works for everything. You know, it's not a wardrobe, <laughs> but but that's for him. It was a wardrobe thing. Another thing is, like, I guess, like, an article that I read was talking about how, like, what this movie, this might be a stretch, but what this movie is trying to, like, convey also is, like, movie violence causes real-life violence, you know? Okay. with With how, like, the fake movie stuff comes into the real world, right? Yeah. And then, like, you have also Arnold Schwarzenegger, or Jack Slater talking to Arnold Schwarzenegger, basically, you know, saying, like, you caused me so much pain or whatever. I don't really like you. Um, but what are your thoughts on like that? Like do movies cause people or do does violence in movies cause real life violence? I mean, like, I think you could argue that on certain occasions, but I don't know as like a whole, you know, like as like the question, like, cause there have been, there has been violence that has been inspired by movies, but has movies as a whole influenced a society to be more violent? Yeah, I know what you're getting at. And it's the same thing that people like to pin on video games. I feel like people were doing terrible shit to each other before any of this existed. They didn't have movies during the Spanish Inquisition and people dreamt up <laughs> Sorry for laughing. That's all of the laugh. most terrible yes. horrors that anyone could inflict on anyone else. The Crusades, same kind yep. of thing. You know, I I just feel like it's a, a culture war thing of like, let's blame something as a straw man create this thing and it kind of takes the heat off solving the actual problem which is just that people are kind of shitty and yeah they just do shitty things and sometimes there's no explaining it and we like to think that there's ways that you can explain it and so you put it on video games and yes people take inspiration from that Although those people were predisposed to do shitty things, period. So now you're not addressing the root of the problem. You're saying, well, video games caused it, but that guy was going to do something terrible to begin with. Right. You know, what's the real problem here? The movie didn't see the idea to be violent. I mean, you know, you know, just to give you another ridiculous example, right, of like how video games just all to be killers world war ii has been going on longer in video games than world war ii happened in real life i mean like even inside of the call of duty franchise world war ii has gone on for <laughs> yes. like 17 years or something like that which means that i have murdered more nazis through video <laughs> games than the entire population of germany of all the allied countries combined, I have not killed a single person in real life. Now, maybe that's my fault. My character uh, failing. You gotta get that real KD up. Yeah, you know, but that's that's the level of like at the point of blaming media for people doing shitty things becomes farcical, right? Right. The real problem is those at-risk people going out and doing terrible things. They might see something, and that gives them an idea, you know, 
scream i think probably summed it up best right it's like movies don't create psychos movies make psychos more creative well i don't think it makes them more creative i just think it's monkey see monkey was going to do something but now monkey has an idea yep once again i mean once again i agree uh i think that the argument of that this stuff in culture creates violent people is uh is kind of insane um that's not i'm not saying that there's not problems in our culture that is violent already you know uh, but I don't, I don't think media is any to blame for that. I think that there's like some other underlying issues that we have not solved yet. I'll give you, you another know? great example. Another great example. The cartoons that we have our kids watch because we don't want them to see violence done to people. We don't want them to learn these concepts, right? Mm-hmm. Somehow... We're the most fucked up generation, according to our parents. Uh-huh. And their parents' parents, <laughs> right? Yeah. The cartoons that they watched were so violent with the Looney Tunes characters. Like, everybody's trying to eat someone, chop them up. You know, it's not even just the anvil dropping on the head. It's, oh, man, we're going to grind him up into paste and make a good meal out of him. You know, whereas our kids are watching these things that are very benign, very tamped down, and these things still happen. So right. is media really the fault of that when the level of people acting outward really remains pretty much the same? Mm-hmm. I No, I mean, I, I think don't know. That there's... I think people smarter than me will write books about that. Exactly. I think that there are things that uh, you and I don't understand or can't answer about society, you know, uh, and that, like I said, that there's underlying issues that are prevalent, but for some reason we haven't been able to solve them yet because like the violence that we see, you know, uh, in real world, not in, in media is, uh, it seems like it's more prevalent, but I can't say that it is. I think we just have better media coverage over it, over it. You know, it doesn't seem like it's more. It's just we're, we are more aware now of these situations, you know, that keep well, popping up. Can you imagine if the horrors of World War II were covered at the 24-hour cycle that the withdrawal from Afghanistan was covered? Jesus, man, I wouldn't even want, I, I, I think I would just cut my cables. You know, I don't think I could deal with it, you know. And that um, was years. Yeah. You know. Uh, you know, just hearing the small stories of what my family went through in World War II, I would not want that on the television day in and day out, you know. Uh, it's pretty brutal stuff. Um but that's, but that's what that. I'm saying, though. That's to yeah. your point there where, you know, without going down that whole dark rabbit hole, that maybe there's because of the prevalence of technology that that sort of thing is just more omnipresent and our awareness is heightened. Doesn't mean it wasn't there. It just means that it's now something you're always thinking about. Right. Right. So now that we've brought everyone down, ru <laughs> ruined another movie. <laughs> For, no, I that was ruined, something I, I didn't think about time. though. That whole thing about like bringing violence into the real world. You know, that's that's an interesting concept. Whether or not you agree with that, I think kind of, you know, might lean a little bit into your politics. And I think that's something that's it's it's actually really interesting where nowadays people are like, oh, that's your liberal media. Oh, that's your liberal Hollywood. But that idea is so conservative that movies cause violence. And even back into the early 90s, action movies were really conservative with their ideas yeah. of like crime causes this. Look at what crime does. Look at what Look is at happening the to the youth. The, yeah, right. Everything. Where's King? But that's your liberal media just out, you know, you know what I mean? It's just right. 
Well, it's it's people trying to make sense to assign reasons to something that's inherently senseless. Right. Like, okay, yeah, I, I understand. Which is people and... going out creating real violence. Right. It's like, no, it's because of this thing over here. It's not because of unresolved childhood trauma. That kid ate my favorite crayon in kindergarten. <laughs> Whatever causes these people to go out and act in inappropriate manners. Because right. people have inappropriate thoughts all the time. Sane people don't act on them because they're insane. Right. But those insane people don't have that filter. They don't have that barrier. They go out and do terrible things. Now someone wants wants a simple answer, right? Where, oh, they did that because they saw that one thing. It's not because I had anything to do with it because I raised them and kept them in a dark room and didn't give them toys to play with or, you know, whatever. You know, it's it's a complicated question and people don't want complicated answers. They just want right. to be like, oh, right. Because that for me, Last Action Hero is a good movie. It's not great, but I really do enjoy the questions that it throws at me uh, that make me wonder. I appreciate that a movie can kind of cross that bridge. You're entertained by something. It's a lot of fun. There's enjoyment in it. I do like watching this movie, but when a movie can go beyond that and kind of make you question some things in reality uh, based on the messages, even if they are very subtle, or maybe it's just a tidbit of information, I do enjoy that more. And it makes me appreciate movies in general more when they can do that. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's kind of like, I like this movie, but it's a mix of different reasons why I like this movie, not just on the basis that it's an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. It's kind of more than that now, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah, and just to put a point on the whole, you know, political lens through which you could view that through, you look at Demolition Man. You know, Demolition Man is 90 minutes of Look what happens when the liberals get their way with things and the bleeding hearts do this and crimes out of control and nobody knows how to handle things because <laughs> right. guns, oh, a gun, oh, what do you do with that? You know, like, whereas <laughs> here you, you at least kind of have some of those ideas in a, a more thoughtful way, even though there's a fantasy component to it. You can still examine some of that through like, oh, you know, okay, movies putting violence into the world. Whether or not you agree with that, at least it's kind of a way of using fantasy to put it out there and and kind of attempt to deconstruct it. Whereas, you know, what Demolition Man does, it's just fucking ridiculous. <laughs> You know, but that's your liberal beat. That's your liberal Hollywood. You right, know what I mean? Right. You know, it's just yeah. like, well, everything's cyclical, man. It'll come back. Around. Yeah. Or maybe it's it's not political at all. Maybe it's just kind of a commentary on some aspects of society, you know, oh, or yeah. maybe maybe it's subjective. No, Which, just everything's that out black there. and white, man. <laughs> There's no subjectivity. <laughs> anywhere all right well everything's thanks, everyone. a zero-sum game you know that as well as anyone <laughs> <Yeah>. else does <laughs> never dream of winning right 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 <laughs> all right well thanks everyone for listening if you can give us a five-star review on your favorite podcast listening platform we'd appreciate it helps us get the word out there a little bit more spread the word get more people listening that sort of thing and if you can give us a like and a follow follow on our social media platforms on Facebook and uh, Instagram. We'd appreciate it. You can find us uh, on any one of them at post credits podcast. Yeah. And if you could recommend this to one other person, just in real life, go out there. Here's your magic ticket. You know, it just helps bring us into their reality and then <laughs> we can ruin things for other people. Just like we yeah. wrote it for you for the last hour. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's all I the got. podcast of ruining your favorite movie. That's what we do. See you on the next episode where we ruin another one. 
I don't think I ever disliked this movie. Yeah, I, you know, I don't think I ever fell into that trap. I was not, no, I was not, I did not buy a ticket on the hate drain. It's just one of those things that for me, it's evolved over time. I enjoyed it as a kid. I like it a little less as an adult, but then, you know, kind of like really thinking about it, I like it a lot more. Okay. So. Square deal. Yeah. It's no Terminator 2, though. It's no shocking dark, is what you're saying. <laughs> right. Right.